Hello and welcome at Logistics Conversations, the podcast of the Cluster for Logistics Luxembourg. Through this podcast, you will discover the international world of our sector. Even better, you will hear passionate people and their exciting small and important stories. Logistics is essential in Luxembourg and we want you to have a look behind the scene. This is uh, Malik Ziniti from the Cluster for Logistics uh, in our 11th podcast of this year. Uh, this theme or subject of, this, of today's podcast is a very important one. It's uh, to talk about vaccinations and about uh, viruses, diseases, but not only the COVID which has hit us, but also one which is uh, uh, on the point to be eradicated, which is the poliomyelite. So today I have two two guests on my podcast, and one is one which we which we uh, see again. Uh, that is uh, Luc Provo from CEO of Bimedical from Hosingen. He has again accepted our invitation to participate in this podcast uh, that will address this polio disease that hits kids, and uh, we want to talk about this illness, uh, which like COVID, is spread by viruses. Polio or poliomyelitis, for the people who don't know, is a paralyzing and potentially deadly infectious disease that most commonly affects children under the age of five. The virus spreads from person to person, typically through contaminated water. It can then attack the nervous systems. So, Luke, you played an important role to secure the COVID-19 vaccination program in the US and Europe. You inaugurated a new production site last week and even built a new production site in India where you invest in the local economy to help save lives and fight the COVID-19, as well as polio. Luc, can you explain, be medical for our audience, please? Yes, good morning, Malik, and thank you for having me again on the show. So uh, Be Medical Systems is actually a company which has been existing for uh, more than four decades, and our main core activity is providing the cold chain worldwide to fight any diseases which require cold chain equipment, be it for vaccines, medicines, or other uh, medical temperature-sensitive goods. So our speciality is uh, exactly that, to provide working robust solutions in all harsh conditions around the world. And we have really developed that in parallel with and using mainly innovative technologies. Thank you very much, Luc. So, uh, for the first time on our logistics conversation is Tom Denser. Tom Denser is a person we know here at the Chamber of Commerce because that was also a place in his past career. Uh, can I ask you, uh, Tom, to uh, present yourself a little bit, maybe your, historical, uh, your history, and obviously we have invited you particularly because of your uh, expertise, which is uh, you are a doctor of virology at the Health Directorate. Yes, good morning, Malik. Yes, that's true. Um, I'm a virologist by training. I did my training in uh, in Germany and in the United States, where I worked particularly in plus-strand RNA viruses, like polio virus, like coronavirus. So I've worked with them firsthand in the lab, and then I moved on uh, working more in the innovation area on consulting business before ending up at the Ministry of Health and Directorate of Health, where I had the chance being in the first in the front of this of this disease, which caused a lot of problems which caused a lot of nightmares, a lot of work, but was nevertheless very interesting for a virologist uh, by training to know what's going on and to help push decisions. 
Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Tom. I think that probably if we would ask you about uh, all the tests, uh, large-scale testing and things like that, which have been done the last 18 months, we could make this make make a special podcast on that subject. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, we wanted to have uh, to discuss uh, three parts in this podcast. One, the importance of the right know-how and equipment to deliver to the end user, uh, vaccines to the end user, and cover particularly the last mile globally. And how, and how or whether COVID either helped or disturbed the other cause of uh, eradicating polio. Second, we want to address the particularities of the polio vaccine for kids with Tom and some basics of the polio and how we can eradicate this and other diseases that need uh, vaccine requiring a school chain. And third, we want to address the importance of vaccine logistics uh, more generally with Tom and Luke and share basics with the broader public and highlight the importance of a proper vaccination to protect kids worldwide and, and save lives. So why getting vaccinated is important is certainly one message that we want to spread. So um, Tom, maybe we can start with you. How can we explain polio to our audience? As today, probably nobody remembers this illness which hit some people in the past. Yes, exactly. That is something which... Um We've seen in the last decade or more than that uh, in the developed countries like like Luxembourg and, and the Western world, we didn't have much problems with viruses anymore. And that's why virologists haven't been really that popular because everybody thought, you know, we don't need them anymore. Nevertheless, and, and I think Luke can, can prove that, you know, viruses have been very dominant in other parts of the world. Uh, it's just in our parts that didn't play a huge role. We all had some common colds and, and were a bit sick, but uh, which was caused also by viruses, notably also coronaviruses, but it was never that bad for humankind. And so um, that changed completely when really we had uh, this outbreak that became an ep epidemic and now a pandemic. So uh, we always urged that this might happen, could happen, and it's potentially could potentially pose a big problem to the world, and that has happened. So just to come back to your question, why the vaccination is just... For any of these diseases, it's way better to get a vaccine than to get infected because there's all, always some other problems downstream when you get infected. We see it now with long COVID. We see it also with poliomyelite, where you see that there's many, many problems, um, not only uh, death of people or, or paralysis, but even other p uh, problems that will remain your entire life. So in that sense, the, the only answer that we have for viruses is actually a vaccine. We have very little and very few few medications that are really working well against viruses. Uh, the only exception, there are some, but the biggest ex exception what people know is against herpes. And you know that you have some herpes, you, there's some nice cream like the Sovirax you put on, and that works very well. But other than that, we are kind of helpless if you're infected by a virus. We're just treating the symptoms, unfortunately. Okay, thank you, Tom. Uh, maybe the question also to you, uh, Paul, you, from your perspective, uh, you're selling to 140 countries. Uh, you know, what does this uh, polio disease play a role in, in, in your experience and your past experience? Well, I think as Tom was explaining, uh, it's, it's very true that uh, in Europe we forget about these diseases because they are no longer present here on our continents. 
But uh, in Africa, where I very often travel for uh, the company, uh, it is almost a, a daily uh, vision because you see so many people still today uh, crippled and affected by this disease. And uh, just in the streets, you see many people in wheelchairs who have transformed it with uh, uh, pedals from a bicycle to get around and, and, and people walking very difficultly. And, and I think it's, it's still very, very present in many African countries. And so uh, for us, it's a, it's a battle. Uh, we are trying to bring the vaccines safely to these countries and that they are uh, distributed equally uh, between the populations. And that's something that uh, really is uh, for us, uh, I would say, a upstream battle and something that we have been focused on for many, many years. Uh, COVID has actually uh, kind of put it uh, on the second priority because everybody is focusing today on COVID, but polio remains and exists and is very present in those countries. Um, again, uh, in two weeks' time, I will be in uh, Ivory Coast and DRC, and I can tell you that uh, in those countries, uh, every day you see people who are affected by that. And for us, it's actually very present because our best representative is actually our agent in India and Malaysia, who actually, uh, as a child, was vaccinated and still was infected because the vaccine had not been stored in the right conditions. So he thought being protected and got really uh, pretty bad consequences of the disease. And now is one of our best voices to bring a good quality culture in two countries to ensure that good working vaccines reach the population. Okay. Um, yeah, I think um, with all the bad news of the last 12, 18 months, we uh, some people probably not did not saw the good, one good news, which was that in Nigeria, uh, a certain wild polio, and maybe Tom can explain that a little bit, uh, was eradicated uh, last year. So that's one of the good news here. Yeah, there's lots of good news, actually, because it became much more prevalent also in the developed countries and also people that give money or where the money is to, to do certain things. And we have to say there's a lot of engagement already in different countries also on that side. And as Luke said, you know, Corona was just like all over. And so we focused on that. Uh, but it helped. Um, and with poliovirus, interestingly, you have three different serotypes. Uh, basically, you can you can compare that with the different variants, you know, that you have for Corona, because people know that that their variants, they are different in terms of pathogenic uh, and, and also how they make you sick or kill people. So the, those are the same. And the, the fact that there are three serotypes and two are really eradicated and there's only one which is uh, prevalent in, in certain countries only is already a huge step. But that also remind, will remind us that coronavirus will not be over tomorrow. And we have to see, we started vaccinating people in the 50s already, and we're at 2021 now, and we're still not done with, the, with the, the infections. Of course, it's under control more or less, you know, in most parts. But that will, that will be the same for coronavirus or other viruses if, you, if you're not consequently vaccinating and going for that. And this is very, very important. This is the key on this. We will only be, be able to manage many diseases besides polio and corona if we're very consequently doing this globally not only in one country yep uh, that's a good point uh, basically we need to be successful with vaccination and um, one of the question which maybe our audience and myself we are asking ourselves um, uh, we are fighting covid now uh, to eradicate 
polio is a major cause for the Rotary International with its uh, 1.2 million members globally and more than 1,000 members here in Luxembourg. I need to disclose that I'm a president of a, of a club uh, in Esch, bassin and that's, uh, so that's one of our major cons um, uh, across the Rotary International. There are only two countries left where polio uh, exists, and that's Pakistan and Afghanistan. And probably in Afghanistan, geopolitics could influence this fight. Um, so we would like to attract the importance for the cold chain as, as a cluster for logistics, as we have major global players like Cargolux or the airport uh, of Luxembourg, uh, which has good distribution practice. Maybe a question to you, um, Luc, the, the, this importance of the cool chain, how can you um, explain a little bit from both perspective and, and will COVID help later fighting polio? I do believe that uh, COVID uh, will help fight polio in the long term and even in the medium term because actually there's so many means, financial means put to work today to fight COVID and uh, the equipment that is being used to store the COVID vaccines is more or less the same equipment that is being used for the polio vaccines. Uh, in uh, the COVID vaccine, you have more different temperature profiles. Uh, polio is one single profile of temperature. But uh, just to give you an example, Nigeria, which was the hardest touched country by polio uh, recent uh, years, has put enormous amount of uh, means to work to eradicate polio in uh, Nigeria, and it has been done successfully. So yes, it is possible if you really focus on that uh, target of eradicating a disease in a country. And today, Afghanistan and Pakistan in the last three years have been two major countries uh, of destination for our culture and equipment. So today uh, we already have a very nice install base uh, in Afghanistan and in Pakistan, both countries, but still there is a lot to be done because it's this last mile uh, that is really the most difficult one. I think it is relatively easy to achieve 60, 70, 75%, but then to go beyond is the hard uh, task. And that's where you really reach areas where there's no more electricity, no more energy, uh, or very unreliable electricity. And uh, that's something where, again, uh, B-Medical stands out because we have equipment which is capable of providing a uh, cold chain in very, very harsh conditions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you've been uh, you've made the news because you were very early with the minus 80 degrees C uh, fridges or freezers, which were important for the first uh, MRN, MRN, and AA uh, uh, vaccines. Uh, Tom, maybe maybe you can explain to us. Uh, it, polio probably is is a, is a fridge temperature requirement, uh, and and COVID are there already. Uh, vaccines available which have the same temperature or is it still very, it's, very it's cold? Going, it's going down with certain of the vaccines and there's other vaccine platforms and this is the beauty of COVID now if I may speak as a virologist. We have so many different platforms to develop uh, vaccines and there's a new platform which is as you said at a messenger RNA uh, platform. Messenger RNA is basically something that has been known for years. Um, I personally worked a lot with that because I worked on these viruses. So basically you have uh, information material that you can give into a cell and our cells are made of that they recognize this immediately and produce proteins. This is how the vaccine works. You put this messenger RNA in there for coronavirus and it makes immediately one protein and, and that translates then to an immune response. 
So that is something very, very powerful. But as you said, the cold chain is, is a problem in more remote uh, areas. And nevertheless, there I think uh, COVID, we will learn also from, from polio because polio is one of the few uh, vaccines that you can take orally, which makes a huge difference because we have lots of people that are scared of, of uh, syringes and, and do not want that. But if you just have to drink something, that makes a huge difference. So I think we can both learn from each other and we will see lots of different uh, vaccines coming to the market Um which certainly Luke is also happy to because uh, that, that really is, helps the business and that helps the health of, uh, of the globally because uh, we have now platforms and tools in our arsenal that we can use to defend other diseases. For example, I worked a lot on hepatitis C virus, which is also a plus gen RNA virus. We have good medications right now because we developed a lot on that. We, we spent lots of money, but there will be a, a vaccine quite soon because it will be done on the same basis than it was done for, for corona. So for all these small plus and RNA simple viruses, I, I foresee in the next five years to have lots of different vaccines that we can help make the world a better place. So sounds good. Uh, do you want to, to add something? Yes, maybe just to add to that. I, I think this uh, cross uh, benefit of different uh, diseases benefiting from technology that served other diseases. I also hope uh, very much that uh, all the investments that have been made recently on mRNA technology will also help cancerology because uh, in oncology, it's also something which is, uh, has, as Tom said, been used for quite some years. But I think there has been so much uh, money invested in research recently for the COVID and this technology specifically, where I believe that uh, hopefully that it will also help uh, oncology going forward because uh, it, it really is helping uh, the uh, large number of populations. It's interesting because um, BioNTech is actually a, a, a company that works in, in cancer research. So that was developed on this and it has been used in the lab for this. And now with Corona, it has been accelerated to use in human beings. And since it, it works really nicely, uh, this, there will be lots of applications in the future. So I think there were, this is certainly something that helped push forward research uh, uh, go, going to the, from, the, from the disease or from the research to the bad, as you always say, and to bring something really to the table. And there's also much more finance available now for those companies. Uh, At this point, yes, but uh, we hope yeah. we can push that further to go for, to go further because, as you see, it's quite easy with the polio virus. You know, it's it's an oral vaccine. It, it's very it's much easier to transport. Last mile is always a problem, and yet it's been seventy years and we haven't done it. We haven't achieved it. So uh, there's a lot of work to do for different actors, and that's key here. It's not only the researchers that produce the virus. It's also the healthcare systems that want to do it, that need to do it. It's also the, the government itself that say that has to see, hey, this is an economic value. If I vaccine my people, they don't get sick. I don't have to pay for them and they will be productive. And then you need to have the technologies like Luke's company, which is helping tremendously because I remember back in the days, one major problem was really the last mile or at least the last miles in Africa or in, in other under the underdeveloped countries because they had no possibility to get this there intact. In and yeah, now we see the the, the nice blue boxes, uh, fridge, uh, which uh, uh, which ship all around the world. Uh, how can governments uh, help, and how are they maybe helping already? I think more and more governments uh, are conscious that uh, what happens elsewhere in the world also affects them uh, directly and indirectly. So a lot of money is again being put to work to bring the vaccines because. 
I mean, the, the, the value of the vaccines that is stored in one of those refrigerators or freezers is uh, a multiple of a thousand or even 10,000 of the value of the refrigerator. But if you don't have a good quality transport box or good quality refrigerator, all the investment that you have made upstream is lost. So it really is something where the governments are paying more and more attention to. Again, COVID has brought that to the spotlight. And I think uh, there will be more and more attention paid uh, to the cold chain that is necessary to bring quality storage and transportation of these vaccines to the populations. What's interesting here is to add financially, you know, the, the, the vaccines are quite cheap, anywhere between 5 to 20 euros one vaccine. So that compared, as you mentioned before, a test that costs officially here in Luxembourg almost 60 euros. And then that compared to someone sick and being treated in a hospital. And then there's no doubt in terms of financial returns, of course. Yeah, that's, that's, that's an excellent point you're making here. Um, um, some, some people seem, seem to doubt that we can stop vaccinate, vaccinating polio one day. I've heard people who just doubt that it can be eradicated. Uh, what's your perspective on that one? How, how, how can we pass a, a positive message for the people who don't believe that that will ever be uh, eradicated? No, I, I think uh, the proof is already there. There's countries which have been incredibly touched by this uh, polymyelitis. And I, I think they have proven that uh, if the means are put to the table, it is possible to eradicate it. So, uh, But I, I also believe that uh, due to the global development and, and the people traveling more and more, it is also closer to our door. And we need to be careful of that. And I think it's really important that we have a global view on these uh, threats and these obligations that we have to to fight these threats. And I think that's uh, something which uh, is uh, very conscious now with COVID. Uh, we have seen the, the speed at which it was uh, spreading uh, in the populations and uh, the diseases which luckily we have been able to uh, eradicate in our countries. We need to keep them away from our countries by helping other countries who are still fighting those battles. Yeah, it's true. I think it's it's anything is possible, and this is what Corona showed. You know, no one believed that we could bring a, a vaccine to the market within ten months, and we made it. You know, the disease started in December nineteen, and and more less than twelve months we had a vaccine on the market. So we you need to put the right people and the right means uh, for this, and and it will be possible. But it's difficult because one outbreak is enough to get everything going again if not everybody is vaccinated. So so that is always key to get the maximum of people vaccinated so that it's not spreading and it's not in certain pockets in areas in the world that it can come out. And then the other point is always we still have some other diseases lying in different freezers and refrigerators. So there's always a possibility and there's a threat uh, that they can come out at some point. Uh, so that's one part why uh, we have lots of people working on bioterrorism also to watch out on on neglected diseases or at least eradicated diseases that will come back because people are not vaccinated anymore. I think certain diseases we stopped vaccinating end of the 70s, you know, and if they come back, you know, the, the, the population under 40 is not protected at all. So that is certainly a threat, but we need to, to come in. And I believe that it's possible if we just yeah. want it enough. Well, when I last looked at the figures uh, end of August, I saw that in average, I think uh, we are in Europe over 70%. But uh, I think that in Africa we are at uh, single digit percentage. I don't know even yes, around five or six max. Yeah. So it, it is a huge difference. But it's also because you know larger, wealthier countries bought them and bought up the entire production, and we cannot produce as much and as fast as possible as we as we need it. And there's also a problem, I think, in the logistics later on. You know, how do we do this from not only logistics but putting up. Uh, 
putting our companies and production sites in different areas of the, in the world. And I think that should be part of the larger scheme post-COVID. You know, how do we set this up? Um, we need to have production sites all over the world because have we, have we seen, we've seen it in the, in the beginning of the crisis. You know, China shut down and Europe didn't have any, any gloves anymore. You know, that is something we cannot, uh, we cannot tolerate anymore if we want to be prepared. And the same way we need to have production sites also in, in Africa, in Australia, in South, Africa, uh, South America. So those are the things, lessons learned, whether we can put this up, whether we give enough means to associations or even institutions like the WHO, Gavi, you know, for the distribution of vaccines, that remains a question. But I think, um, uh, as Luke mentioned, there's a lot of money put in. And if we keep this going for a few more years, we will have the, the, the right setup to, to defend us for other diseases because polio was one that has been lingering for 50 years, 60, 70 years. COVID came now, but there's other diseases. And I always tell people, you know, if you if you not in, if you don't believe in COVID and so on, you know we were lucky that COVID didn't hit as hard as an Ebola virus or another virus because then nobody would have asked a question and it, and and that would have been a huge impact on on the developed world much more than it has been now. You know we we lost a, a, per, per, a few percentage of our productivity and so but but for that for the rest um, it it didn't hit that. That badly, you know, yeah, we have to say. The, 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 the last figures I saw is about 4.7 million people who died, which is obviously less than the Spanish uh, flu, uh, which is uh, last, decade, uh, last century. Um, you invested in India also, and you started in India. What's the rationale? How, how did that come along? So actually, the uh, it was uh, following a, a fantastic opportunity. There, there was a uh, virtual summit between Prime Minister Bettel and Prime Minister Modi, where actually uh, Prime Minister Bettel uh, talked about the capacity of Luxembourg to support India in terms of its coal chain. And uh, Prime Minister Modi immediately jumped on the opportunity and invited us to set up a factory, a manufacturing site in India, which we are doing and, and which we'll be uh, actually inaugurating next month. So that's something which is uh, up and running also in a very, very short period of time. But it also, besides the COVID, made a lot of sense because India is the number one manufacturer of vaccines worldwide. And to have the number one uh, manufacturer of cold chain close by makes a lot of sense. So that's reason uh, the rationale actually behind setting up a factory in, uh, in India. But as Tom was saying, I, I think the supply chain is incredibly important and, and to focus on just one or two countries is very risky. Uh, it's risky for every single continent. And I, I think every single continent needs to become independent and self-sufficient in terms of uh, certain critical supplies. And that's something I know that uh, many governments are working on that. Uh, and I think it's the, the best way to go. The, the dependency uh, that uh, worldwide we have created globally uh, towards the, uh, China is, is very uh, dangerous for, for all continents. And I think it's something that we really, as, as governments and, and politicians, really need to work on. In logistics, we see a lot of uh, supply chain disruptions over the last 12 months, and uh, it's not getting better. Uh, probably you have also uh, been fighting to get your products uh, in and out. Uh, how, how are you managing this? How is that? Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I think uh, we, we had kind of a uh, prudency uh, approach uh, historically. So we always had uh, two or three suppliers for the same components. 
But still, uh, being prudent was not enough because uh, in the beginning of the crisis in Europe, uh, both of our suppliers were in Italy. And, and we saw that uh, it was a big disaster for us on, on a certain component. So what we have done is uh, over the last few months and actually the last two years is we have brought our supply chain closer to home and we have spread it geographically. And I think that's something that we absolutely uh, have learned from, from this crisis, that you are never prudent enough uh, to prepare yourself for a crisis situation. And so that's something where the, the teams of B-Medical have been working on very hard in the last few months. Mm -hmm. Maybe a question for both of you. Uh, today we are seeing some people that have concerns about getting vaccinated. And uh, last uh, January when we had you here on the podcast, Luc, uh, we were talking about the quality programs that you see with WHO or UNICEF uh, over the last decades uh, to minimize any harm. Uh, some people claim less than 50% efficacy in Africa. So so how do you see those, those quality programs and standards evolve? Maybe both of you. No, I, I think uh, it is obvious that the uh, the benefit of vaccination is undoubted. Uh, I mean, there is no hesitation to have. I think you made that point. <laughs> so I, I think <laughs> really it's it's uh, it's something that uh, uh, yes, people could ask questions and and but if you look at the facts and not the rumors. Uh, it is obvious that vaccination is a, a very, very positive gain for the populations. And to vaccinate is the best recommendation that one could give to anybody. Yeah, that's true. And and whether it's now, uh, we have seen numbers, it's only 30%, 40%, 50%. You have to see those are different um, studies that are made, you know. And if I choose my study in some area, I will get certain results. But even 30, even if it's only 30%, that's a, a lot a lot of protection that you get and you don't get sick and you don't die. So this makes a huge difference, you know, even if, if it would be only 30%. And we've seen it is a lot more for, for the normal population. So uh, as Luke said, this is the only way out of such uh, such diseases where you don't have effective drugs to take and even if i honestly if i could choose i'd rather be not sick than being treated because i'm sick and lying at home so so there's no doubt on 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 the efficacy of vaccines and vaccine for me and that's also why i chose to become a virologist I think it's one of the top three inventions that humankind made because it saved millions of lives in all kinds of diseases. And, and this certainly helped the, the humankind to develop into the society that we are now because there's lots of people who wouldn't be alive if, if vaccines wouldn't be, wouldn't be used. You know? and, and, and that's thanks to the first vaccine given by, by Dr. Jenner back in the days, more than 100 years ago, that helped really change the course of life here. So I understand if, if you're hesitating, especially if it's after 10 months, because people do not understand the procedures behind and why does it take so long usually. Um, yeah, particularly for, for kids who under the age of 12 are only vaccinated in certain countries. Currently, some parents are looking forward and they are probably more hesitant. Yes. Well, right now, what, what you have to see, it's always you want to make sure that the, that the vaccine doesn't, doesn't kill the people, doesn't, is, is not worse than the, the disease. That, that's the first point. And you want to make sure that the vaccine helps people not to get sick. That's the first objective. The second is not help not spreading the virus. But for the kids, it's true. The kids are, are less affected in terms of symptoms and disease and, 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 and death than elderly people, then people, you know, it, it goes up with age. Um, so the question remains also on an ethical basis, should we vaccinate kids to help protect the entire uh, world? 
And there you, you can debate, but I think as, as soon as people have uh, contacts, it, it's wise to, uh, to, to vaccinate people, also kids uh, at the age of eight, uh, so that you help uh, sustain uh, the propagation of the virus. And, and the studies are ongoing and they look very good. So uh, people, even kids, do not have any symptoms or very little symptoms when they get vaccinated. We take, at this point, the studies are, you take only a third of the dose of an adult, But nevertheless, they are very well protected. Pretty much all of them produce antibodies, which is one marker of showing that it works, and that will certainly help. So um, it, it is definitely a, a way to go and, and, and a way to get a wider spread of, of uh, percentage of vaccinated and immune people for this particular disease. What's, uh, what's, the, what's the target uh, which you see across the world for vaccination on COVID uh, and uh, how long you guys think we will we will need to achieve it i think years i mean we talked about it africa is about five six percent vaccinated something like that and then here i think we will we only at 75 percent or if you take from zero to 100 years we are about 63 uh, percent which is not that high you know there's 100 120 or 200,000 people that are not vaccinated here in luxembourg alone so the virus will spread for for months and and years to come in certain pockets the question is rather Is that something to worry about, really? Or is that at some point where you say, hey, it's like a common disease, a common cold, and, and that, that's the way it is, you know? And if you don't vaccinate yourself, you're running a risk of becoming sick and dying. So at some point, it will, it will ease out in the developed world. But I think there will always be variants coming in. They might not be as bad um, because usually the virus adapts to the host. So the virus has no interest of killing the host because it has an interest of surviving with the host and in fact as many as possible. So I'm not thinking, I'm, I don't think that there will be lots of much more pathogenic strains or variants coming, but it can happen. And as long as the virus uh, replicates in people, it makes mistakes and produces new viruses and new variants. So we have to be vigilant and we have to do, do some surveillance uh, on this and until we have it in like basically polio virus, which doesn't cause a huge threat anymore. And now it's at that and we are in a different stage at polio. We can now really eradicate it so that, and don't think about it anymore in the future if we've done that. Yeah, particularly as some people think about uh, vacations again. Uh, luckily for polio, there's not a lot of countries which include you to take your kids. Uh, for COVID, we have to see. The last question to both of you, if you had a, a magic wand and you could change something, could make something happen, you know, to be more efficient, what would it be? I believe from uh, my side, it really would be to have sustainability. I, I think uh, the world has shown today that it is capable of really uh, acting uh, really actively and efficiently uh, on a situation. Uh, but it took a crisis to come to that. And I think if we could keep this going uh, without having always to react to a crisis, but proactively put those efforts uh, to work to, to uh, increase the, the, the health and the benefit to the population, I think that would be an incredible win. And I think uh, it's this sustainability of the efforts which uh, would be my strongest wish. Yeah, I think that is that is key of managing this. Um, while it's always difficult, you know, to invest in prevention because you invest X money and you don't know what you get out. It's like the FBI says, you know, we prevented a new attack and we saved 10,000 lives. 
nobody can prove it. And that's the same with health. So yeah, a magic wand would be make go away all the diseases. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. But for me, the wish would be to strengthen um, global associations and structures like the WHO, like in Europe, ECDC, the European Center for Disease Control, to give them more power and give them uh, a voice, uh, a louder voice, say, hey, this is what we should put on the table. And then um, make, well, I'd say not make, but initiate the governance to work together. Because that is one thing that, uh, that I was quite upset and really disappointed not only globally, but also in Europe, you know, that the governments looked in different ways and everybody was for himself. So that is that is something that hindered a lot, uh, certain development and certain, you know, also the also the cold chain and also the, the logistics on, on certain things. Uh, I just remind you that we still have machines blocked in France that we didn't get and we ordered two years ago. So those are the things that shouldn't happen at all, especially not in Europe. And I think that is something you need to have a, an overarching association that is a, a non-for-profit you know like the I think, WHO. I think you made to, to make the the same quest uh, in our last podcast where you said Europe should also be a little bit more uh, I wouldn't say arrogant what's the right uh, name uh, with thinking of their own capacity because uh, you, you say a lot of technology is actually developed and no absolutely uh, I, I think Europe has a, a very strong voice and can really make a difference if they are united and speak as one voice uh, uh, if you look uh, today at uh, for example the, the crisis uh, UNICEF is the main procurement agency around the world and uh, if you look at the evolution of the uh, procurement of UNICEF it is very very strongly pushed towards procurement from China and, and again that weakens Europe that weakens US that weakens uh, many uh, different uh, continents so yes I, I, I have the same uh, mind as, as Tom Yes, uh, we come to the end of this uh, podcast, uh, Logistics Conversation by the Cluster for Logistics. And I have to thank you very much, uh, Tom Denzer and Luke, uh, for uh, having been on our podcast. Uh, thank you very much. Thank, thank you, you Monique. Thank you for listening to Logistics Conversation. You can find our podcast and interview on SoundCloud, Spotify, and of course, our webpage www.c4l.lu Thank you.